and lovely to come home. And uh, we've had a, a lovely time and it's lovely to come back uh, and be uh, part of our, our family here again. Uh, we, we, we have, uh, we've missed being here as well. Just let me uh, begin as well with a quick apology. Um, before I left, I uh, did what I thought was the responsible thing and uh, went onto my email account to, to put something in my uh, inbox that, would, that would, would send out an out-of-office reply if anyone was to email me while I was away. And, uh, and somehow, and I'm not quite sure how I managed it, I managed to set up something that retrospectively sent an email saying that I was on holiday to people who'd sent me an email over the last weeks, months, years. <laughs> and so for some people, that was a bit of a nuisance, getting three or four emails all the same saying that I was going on holiday. Uh, some people were slightly more problematic. One person received 199 identical emails <laughs> telling him that I was going on holiday. So my sincere, sincere apologies for, for uh, spamming your inbox. On to something much more important. We are in the book of 1 Peter. And uh, we're going to finish off chapter 1 this morning. That's the plan. And, uh, and we're going to be really focusing on, on a command that Peter gives when he, he, he says, love one another deeply and from the heart. Love one another deeply and from the heart. And we want to just to, to spend a few moments to look at that command together. We're going to explore it a little bit. We're going to look at, at just the, the, the theory behind what Peter says and we're going to try and look at it practically. What does that look like for us today? Peter is writing to a group of churches in Asia Minor, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he's writing to these, these churches who are made up of people just like what our church is made up of today. It's made up of people who are quite different from one another. It's made up of, of people, who, some who have relative uh, wealth and some who have none. In this case, some who are perhaps even slaves. He's writing to a church that's made up of, of people who are from a Jewish background and from a Gentile background. People who grew up with a different way of thinking from each other, a different way of, of perceiving and understanding the world, a different emphasis. It, it, it's, it's a real uh, variety. It, it's, it's a letter written to, to men and women. And, and that might sound strange, but but a, a man's life and a woman's life in the churches that have been written to here look quite different. And so there's this real variety of people who are reading this letter. And it's a group of people who are starting to come under pressure. They're starting to, to, to feel the pressure of, of what it is to, to be a Christian. They're starting to count the cost the, the, as persecution starts to ramp up in that ancient world. And so that the people who were reading this letter originally are, are congregations, fellowships, families, church families, made up of people who are quite different and who are starting to feel under pressure. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but when I feel under pressure, it's not necessarily easy to show or express love to other people. I wonder if you're anything like that, where, where maybe it, it's a financial pressure or, or pressures of, of ill health or a relational conflict or whatever it is, 
whatever it might be, the pressure starts to increase. It's quite difficult to then uh, to look outside of ourselves, to, to, to love one another, let alone love one another deeply from the heart. So let's read the verses and then we'll, uh, we'll explore them um, briefly together. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 22 and we'll just spill over into chapter 2, verse 1. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. As we start to, to explore just this, this one element of these verses, there's lots in there, but we're going to focus in on this one element of loving others deeply from the heart. It would, it would be useful to, to make sure we all know what we're talking about when we talk about love, because love is one of those words we use it for lots of different things. Uh, we can love uh, a Chinese takeaway and we love our parents, and they're not talking about the same thing. So, so what do we mean when, when we're talking about loving one another in this church setting, in this church fellowship setting? Well, a couple of definitions that might help us. Peter Reed, who I've quoted before and uh, runs uh, Heads Up Torchbearers, he says, to love someone is to desire and do what's best for someone else. To desire and do what's best for someone else. Somebody else wrote this. Love is self-sacrificing, caring commitment, which shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. So to love someone deeply from the heart is self-sacrificing, caring commitment, which shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one loved. This is what John writes, 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is what love is. This is the definition of love that God himself steps into our world and lays down his life for us. Not because we deserve it or because we merit it or because we're so wonderful, but God, who is love, gives up himself. He dies that we might live. He pays a price for our sins that we might go free. This is love. So if we're to love one another deeply from the heart at Camforth Free Methodist Church, we've got to, to see one another. Got to see one another and desire what's best for those around us. To desire to see one another flourish. To desire and do what's best for someone else. Love certainly is an emotion. It can be a very, very powerful emotion. But the, there is a little bit more to it than that in what we're talking about here. It's also a, an action, a decision. One writer says, love is motion 
and emotion often follows. There's a, there's a decision, there's, a, 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 there's a, an act, there's a doing involved in how we love one another. Uh, and I suspect that this is, is something that we all, all want. We all want to be part of a fellowship, a community, a church family that love one another deeply from the heart. If we were to do a little survey this morning and, and, and was to hand everyone out a, a little uh, piece of paper that shows what my generation, how, my, how we do surveys, um, <laughs> and you tick a box, that, they were the days, uh, then, then I think we'd all say, yeah, I want to be part of a, a, a church family that love one another deeply from the heart. And if we all want it, why is it so difficult? Why is it so challenging often? And that's what I want to, to, to explore because it's not always easy. It's not easy to love our natural family always, let alone our, our church family because things have happened and there's water gone under the bridge and there's past pains or, or there's people who are just different than we are. They would do things differently. They think differently. Their priorities are different. Some people we naturally mesh with and some we're just different from. So what does it look like to love one another deeply and from the heart? Well, I want us to notice that, that this command that Peter gives flows out of, it doesn't just say it out of the blue, but it flows out of what's been happening in chapter 1 and in the verses we've read. And I want to look at two foundations for, for, for where this command comes from, which is going to help us un- understand it a bit more. And then we'll see, so what does that look like for us? F- foundation number one, we love one another deeply, and that, f- that is built on a foundation of hope. It's built on a foundation of hope. 1 Peter chapter 1 is, is a, a chapter full of hope. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Maybe slightly more. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have this living hope. We've been born again. How are we going to love one another deeply and from the heart? Well, it starts with the fact that we've been born again. We've received God's love. God, the God of the universe, the God who put the stars in the sky, the God who's over the the thunderstorm and the sunshine, this God who's made us, he loves us. And maybe you've heard that so many times, it sort of got old or boring or or, or just it it doesn't mean anything anymore. But, But we are receivers of God's love. God loves you. He likes you. Now there's a big problem with sin, and I and understand that. And God has gone to the, the, the greatest of extremes to deal with that. But God loves you. We, we, we receive, we're receivers of God's love. First, and we have this living hope that, that not only has God saved us, he hasn't just saved us and said, okay, go on and live a good life. He saved us and then comes to live within us. God himself comes to dwell within us, to live in us. We have this living hope, this growing hope, this flourishing hope 
because God has loved us and comes to live within us. He's doing something in us personally. He's doing something in us collectively. And he's taken us. He has an eternity set out for us in heaven. That's what we, we looked at a couple of weeks ago in chapter one. We have this, we receive this love and we have this hope. Verse 22 of our passage, love one another deeply from the heart for you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Because we have this eternal hope, this eternal identity in Jesus. And that means that in the truest sense, that if we've given our lives to Jesus, if we're following him, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. In, in a very truest sense, we are family. We belong to each other and we belong to the Lord. So our externals may still look very different. The houses that we live in are going to look very different. Uh, you know, our, our bank accounts, our jobs, our day-to-day lives, our struggles, our dreams, our hopes might look all very different. But our eternals are the same. Our externals look quite different, but our eternal is the same. And that shapes how, how we live. Peter goes on to, to quote Isaiah. He says in, in verse 24, for all people are like grass and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And so this is the picture that, that Peter uses to, to, to picture a life, uh, the life of, of people but without God. It's like the, the grass of the field, like the flowers. They look beautiful, stunning in fact. But in a moment, they're gone. Uh, we were uh, staying in Canada in an in a area that's known for its, um, for producing fruit, uh, among other things. And, and, uh, and so there's the kind of acres and acres of these fruit trees. And we would go places and people would, would recognize that I've got a, a lovely accent. And they would say, oh, if only you were here two weeks ago when all the cherry blossom was out. Thank you very much. But that's it. It's there and it's stunning and I'm sure it looks stunning. And in a couple of weeks, it's gone. It's gone. That's, a, that's what our lives are like. But without God, but there's a picture the New Testament gives of what our lives look like with God. Another kind of gardening image from John 15 where... Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the difference between a, a, a branch of a vine and a flower is, is really quite stark. A flower is beautiful, but gone and forgotten. The, the, the branch of a vine is, a, is an unusual thing. It's, it, it looks so kind of gnarled and knotted. And, and, and small, and, and there's nothing to draw you to it. But when it's connected to the life of the vine, the life flows through the branch and it produces fruit. Fruit which is good. Fruit that's pleasing. Fruit that brings life. Fruit that brings joy. And the contrast of the two images is so stark. We have this hope. The hope that, that our, our lives may not look always much on the outside, 
but there is um, beauty that's been produced because Jesus Christ lives within us. He's doing something in us. We have this hope. We have this hope. So we have a, a we love one another, built on a foundation of hope. And then, secondly, the second foundation. Not only do we love one another built on a foundation of hope, but on the foundation of holiness. Uh, and, and we looked at that last week. Christy led us through that uh, next part of 1 Peter chapter 1, looking at being holy. And, and, and Peter picks up this image from the, um, this quote from the book of Leviticus, where God says, Be holy because I am holy. And to be holy, holy means means lots of things, but it is to be set apart, to be distinct, to be to be different, to be other than. Uh, and and very briefly, just looking at it in Leviticus for a moment, because it'll help us uh, to apply it to our situation now. This is what's going on. God's people have been slaves in Egypt. They are slaves. They're not free. They don't own themselves. They don't own their own time. They're they're completely enslaved. And God rescues them. God saves them. They don't do anything to to, uh, contribute to their own salvation. God saves them. They only respond in obedience to what he's doing. And so they're saved out of Egypt and they're brought into the wilderness. They're living in these tents. And in the middle of the camp, In the middle of all their tents is God's tent. And and God has come near to the people. And Leviticus is about how the people are going to come near to God. What is God like? Who is this God who saved them? And he says, be holy because I am holy. I'm not like the gods of Egypt. And I'm not like the gods of Canaan. I'm not like the gods of where you came from. Or the, the land that you're going to. I'm different. I'm distinct. And your lives as my people are to reflect what I am like. So God's people's lives were to reflect what God is like. If people looked at the people of Israel, they were to see what is the character of their God. And now Peter takes that idea and, he, and, and he's talking to the church. And he's saying, be holy because I am holy. The way that you live is to reflect the character of your God. It's what God has done in you, kind of overflowing into how you live and how you treat other people and how you do business and how you do relationships. That's, That's what it is. And so we love one another based, built upon this foundation of holiness. That again, God comes to live within us, that same picture as the vine. He's gonna do this within us. And his life released through us is going to be loving one another just as we have been loved. It's amazing. You know, as God comes to live within us, he comes to live within us by his spirit. And in the Bible, we've got lots of different names for the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter. But the name we usually use is the Holy Spirit. God has chosen to reveal himself to us using that language that he's the Holy Spirit. So if he lives within us, what do you think he wants to do within us? But make us holy. That's his life within us. 
And so we love one another deeply from the heart because of the hope that we have, an eternal hope, an imperishable hope, a hope of heaven and a hope of what God's doing now and built on this holiness that we are to reflect what God is like to the world around us. And then our last verse says, therefore, and I'm sure you've heard this lots of times before, if you see a therefore in the Bible, you ask what it's there for. So what's it there? What, what's the therefore? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. It, it, if we've been born again, and God himself has come to live within us. We've received and are receiving this love that he has for us. A love that saves us. And it want, if that wants to be expressed through us. Then there's no longer any place for malice or deceit or hypocrisy or envy or slander. That has no place in our lives anymore because we're born again. This, our, home, our lives are the home to God himself. And and although it is God's love that's going to flow through us, we we join him in that as we rid ourselves of these things. Love one another deeply and from the heart. So as we we close, what, what does that look like for us? What does that look like for us right now? How do we apply this? I believe that God is a speaking God and he speaks to us through his word. And it might be that even now as we've been looking at this, you know what the application is. You already know. As we've been looking at it, God's just been been prompting you or, or, or bringing something to mind about this is what this looks like for you at the moment. And if that's the case, just hold on to that. Write it down. Put it in your phone Zone me out now because that, that's, what you need, that's what you need to do to respond to that. But, but maybe we need a bit more help. Maybe there's some more practical steps. I think the first thing we need to do is, if we're going to love one another deeply from the heart, we're going to need to acknowledge that we can't do that by ourselves. But we need God's help to do it. And maybe we can pray something on the lines of, of Lord, help me to be able to do this. Lord, I'm willing to play my part if if you show me what to do, if you enable this, me to do it. Uh, There are just over 300 folks, including uh, the children, uh, who would call CFM their their home church. So how does loving one another deeply from the heart work out if we do this 300 times? It's, it's It's too big, isn't it? So how how does this look practically? When somebody asked Jesus who their neighbor was, he told them the story of the Good Samaritan. And who their neighbor was, was somebody who they had the opportunity to help, the opportunity to love, the opportunity to bless. So then practically for us, who is there in your life who you have the practical opportunity to love? Maybe somebody on your a team that you serve on. Maybe it's, uh, it's you know doing something practical like helping with a sound desk. Maybe it's it's somebody in your family, somebody in your connect group. Maybe it's just somebody who God laid on your heart. You just you know like maybe you hear that sort of language and you think, well, what does that mean? You just it's just somebody who who you've just God has impressed upon you. 
how can how can we love the how can we love one another deeply from the heart? Who, who have you got the opportunity to love, to pray for, to write a letter to, to I don't know, pay, pay for them to have a meal out? They're going through a difficult time. To to whatever it is, how can we practically do this together? That we love one another deeply from the heart. Whatever it is that we do, uh, let's make sure it's something. I'm going to pray and uh, going to uh, just ask the Lord to help us with this. Uh, and then the band will, uh, will take us on to the next part of the service. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we are loved by you. Lord, that, that you've shown us the full extent of your love as in the way that you have uh, given your life for us. That you've died that we might be saved, that you've been raised again, that we might know you and love you and follow you. And Father, we pray that, that we would first be good receivers of that love you have for us. Lord, that we would grow in the knowledge of what it is to be loved by you. That we'd know in our hearts and in our minds that we're held, that we're, that we're created by you and known by you, and that you're doing a work in our lives. And Father, I pray that that would overflow into how we um, treat and, and bless and honor one another. Father, for those who, for whatever reason, we find it more difficult to love. Father, I pray that you'd give us grace and sincere and authentic desire for them to flourish and to, and to, to, to grow in you. Father, for those who are around us, those who make up our, our inner circle, as it were, Father, I pray that you'll help us to love them well. And may we be a fellowship, Lord, who love you and love each other. In Jesus' name, amen.